You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi, and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I'm Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCourt. Welcome back. I uh, hope you're having a good summer. I hope you've gone to see Barbie and Oppenheimer now. And since we talked about atom bombs last week, to jump on the Oppenheimer bandwagon, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about Barbie this week. And I think it's interesting because Aaron's seen Barbie mm-hmm. and I've seen Oppenheimer at this point. So we have, we've split our collective uh, viewing experience so, yeah, she might have a little bit different um, perspective on the Barbie documentary, having seen the Barbie movie, which is giant right now, like the most talked about thing ever. Right. And it's also the highest grossing movie for that production company, whoever made it, Warner Brothers or mm-hmm. MGM, God knows who. So not just because at first, like, oh, it's the highest grossing movie that a woman's ever directed. Because, of course, they have to put that disclaimer out. But now she's surpassed everyone. So fuck off. She's better than you. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's pretty impressive. Especially considering all the chatter of, oh, it's just going to be a flash in the pan. It's just going to, you know, the next mm-hmm. weekend it's going to be nothing. And yeah. Yeah, I think it's coming along at a time when women aren't putting up with as much shit. I don't know. I don't think I am. I'm not. So this week we're going to talk about Tiny Shoulders. This is a Hulu documentary. It was done in 2018. It's one hour and 31 minutes long. Directed by Andrea Nevins. And I will say that when we're talking about facts and stuff this was filmed essentially in 2015 going slightly into 2016 so um, that's the time frame we're looking at when this was made when the world was simple right before it went to shit (laughs) jesus yeah so i i played with barbies as a kid and i agree with the statement that Barbie is incredibly popular. I don't know what nowadays Barbie's, I don't know, footprint on the youths currently is, but she was a big deal when I was a kid. Now I have two boys, so they didn't play with Barbies really. So I don't feel like I have a good sample set, but I guess I didn't realize how polarizing Barbie was. Right. I played with Barbies because it was me and my sister growing up. Now, when I say I played with Barbies, I played hard. Like, I beat the shit out of her. I cut her hair, like, shaved her head. I had the weird Barbie. Um, And I'm pretty sure that's one of the probably many reasons my mom thought I would be gay. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) But uh, I preferred to play with, like, race cars and stuff like that because they're more fun. And it didn't require as much energy out of me. I could just set them up and they would go and do they thing. Whereas Barbie requires a lot more work on my part. So I think it was more of a lazy kid thing than anything. <laughs> I do like that they don't really talk about, uh, they talk a lot about the play that Barbie influenced or developed or whatever. And it's girls projecting all their life's desires 
on this doll, but nobody talked about what you're talking about, which is the non-standard play of Barbie. Right. It is addressed in the Barbie movie, which I find interesting. Okay. So you have the weird Barbie, who's played by Kate McKenna. Is that her name? The Saturday Night Live comedian. And she has, like, short crazy hair she's always in the splits a weird outfit and like drawing on her face and the premise right. is, is she was just played they're just played with too much right too hard you just really mm-hmm. played with these dolls which i think a lot of us had a barbie like that i know most of my barbies ended up like that but mm-hmm. what's funny is mattel because of this movie and how popular weird barbie was they made a weird barbie and i'm like you're missing the entire point of weird barbie <laughs> You know what right. I mean? Yeah. It's just so weird, but whatever. They'll make money on it just like they do everything else. So, yeah. They say Barbie is a bit of a lightning rod for cultural expectations of how women look. And it's controversial because feminist views are changing and Barbie follows those trends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, So what's really interesting is they talk about when she first came out, it was Mm -hmm. groundbreaking, right? Yeah. So let's tell her story a little bit. You have Mm -hmm. this second generation Jewish couple, um, Mm -hmm. Ruth and Elliot was his name? Okay. Yeah. He's not really important. Handler? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's the Ken of the situation. Take take a back seat, sir. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and they keep saying, like, at the beginning, they're like, he was the creative force. And I'm like, was he, though? Because throughout this, you keep telling me where he fails. So, anyway. They come, uh, Elliot and some other cat, I have his name written down, I don't really care, started Mattel. And Mm -hmm. it's a combination of this other cat's last name, which was Harold Matson, And then Mm -hmm. Elliot, so M-A-T and then E-L-T-E-L or whatever. But Elliot's like, well, we tried to fit Ruth in. We just couldn't make it work. And I'm like, how creative are you then, Elliot? (laughs) Are these the guys that brought you by Menon or uh, (laughs) Hot Pocket? You know, the classics. (laughs) (laughs) So, So you have Ruth, who's this tiny little woman in this industry full of men. And, of course, this is the 50s. There weren't, okay, I don't want to say there weren't a lot of women working, but women were portrayed as being stay-at-home moms. Now, as we know, Mm -hmm. that wasn't always the case because a lot of women had to work to survive. So there was a workforce, there always has been a workforce of women. But, you know, they they were making these toys and stuff and whatever. It started in their garage and then they made a factory. She sees her daughter, Barbie. I wonder if that's short for Barbara. They don't ever say. And so Ruth is watching her daughter, Barbie, play with paper dolls. Yes. Now, I remember these as a kid. Do you remember them? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So they were just little paper dolls that you would Suckiest put, of toys. They are. But you could put different outfits on them, right? So that was kind of cool. And they were g- kind of grown-up dolls, to the extent that they were like adult versions uh, they weren't baby dolls, which is really all the doll that they had at that time for kids to play with were baby dolls. Because the only thing women needed to learn how to do was grow up and be a fucking mother, apparently. I'm not bitter. And they convince us early that it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. 
It's, it's not, not fun. No, it's rewarding. <laughs> don't get me wrong. It is the most rewarding job I've ever had. But there are a lot of not fun moments. Ugh. Yeah. They're fun now that they're grown up, mostly. Now they're a lot of fun. I agree. It takes a lot of... Uh, you're waiting a while for the return on that investment. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> so she decides she wants to take this paper doll, which is a two-dimensional piece of paper, and make a three-dimensional doll. She takes it to all the the men at the executive board or whatever at Mattel, and they're like, no, we couldn't possibly. Right. She takes it to the designers at the factory, and they're like, no, we couldn't possibly. Right. And lo and behold, there is already something that she's, I mean, she's talking about this, but she doesn't know it exists, right? And then she's mm -hmm. able to find it. Mm -hmm. It's the Build Lily doll. Mm -hmm. And it's really weird because it's made for men and like sell them at tobacco shops and shit like that. And it's a very weird premise to me. I'm like, why would a grown ass man want an anatomically correct doll? And they weren't like clad in lingerie or anything, but it was weird. It is extremely weird and creepy. Mm -hmm. But let's, for a minute, okay, let's talk about this. She had boobs, which is something that had never been on a doll before. And when they made their first prototype, because she brought this back and she's like, look, guys, it can be done, essentially. Fuck off. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she, Ruth wanted to make sure that there were breasts on this doll. And they're like, well, that's just inappropriate. For little girls who will grow up to have breasts, why is this inappropriate? But again, here we are talking about that a woman's body is inappropriate. It's shameful. And I find that so fucking irritating. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, and it's only purpose to be attractive is for a man, right? So mm -hmm. it was okay to sell these dolls to men, but for a little <laughs> girl who will grow up to look like that, that's not okay. And I'm like, ugh. Mm -hmm. I'm just so disgusted by people sometimes. Me too. So they go ahead and they they hire an engineer from Raytheon which I love because my dad worked at Raytheon for many years and dolls is not what they do. <laughs> but he was the engineer to, to work on this and they originally got produced in Japan. And Ruth said they tried not to make her too beautiful because they didn't want girls to be intimidated by that. And I thought, well, that's a really nice thought, but they didn't make her ugly. That's for sure. Well, I think it's funny because the first Barbie looks like she is given like some hardcore side eye. Like, her eyes are downcast, kind of over to the side. She's not necessarily smiling. I would say that that is a neutral face at best. But mm -hmm. I, I'm reading some RBF on that. Right. And they bring that up later, that the original ones have their eyes downcast. Like, women are supposed to look mm -hmm. down. They can't be bold enough to look in your face. And you know that that was something Ruth had to compromise on, because she was like, oh, God, fine, whatever, you know. We couldn't have a woman or a doll looking you in the face. Yeah. 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 Jesus Christ. <laughs> so they release it at the Toy Fair in New York in 1959. And was it like a smash success at the Toy Fair, Erin? Not for the men. <laughs> no. 
but the women loved it, right? The women were like, what is this? And like, it really spoke to adult women. And I think that's what drove it into, you know, play for little girls. Because if your mom is cool with it and she's all about it, then she's going to introduce it to her daughter. So I thought that was really sweet that adult women got it first. So who knew that they were able to make up their minds on something and I just found that really interesting. The men were like, hmm, nit, nit, you know. Right? Well, the men were the buyers. And they're like, well, this will never sell. Mm-hmm. This is the worst ever. It's stupid. But then as soon as they hit the shelves, they just flew off the shelves. Because women wanted them. Yes. Yeah, I have that girl bossing all over the Barbie merch. And I think that it's really funny that they are, the men miss the relevance. But the women totally get it. And I also think it's really funny that there, well, actually at this point, we're starting to talk about Kim, who's the leader of the Barbie movement. Not, that's not right. Brand now. Like she's kind of the head of design, Barbie head of design. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, talking about, again, you're, you're saying that women really bought into this. It was shocking to see um, a woman, well, this doll is representing career women. They come out with all these funky, like there's, she's an astronaut. Um, She is a stewardess, which is what they called her at the time. So flight attendants of the world uh, don't get up on that. It just was what they were called. There's teachers, you know what I mean? So there is a little bit of, it's, maybe having little girls are able to think bigger, right? Instead of just watching their moms languish and dealing with the malaise of a married mom. And I'm like, yeah, I know what that feeling is. Thank you very much. I still have a career and I know what that feeling is. Yes. I remember watching the movie. uh, What was it with Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio? It wasn't Titanic. Revolutionary Um, Road. Yes where she is just like she doesn't want to be a stay-at-home mom and she's just not happy he's going to work every day and then eventually they decide that they want to move to Paris and she will work because she can make really good money there and he will work on like being a I don't know, artist or some shit but I was like yes because she was miserable miserable being a stay-at-home mom and you know someone was like oh well if you didn't know any different and that's what you know, you were told that you had to do, you would be fine with it. I'm like, no, no, I wouldn't. I would not be a good stay at home mom. My kids would probably die of malnourishment. And I just, you know what I mean? (laughs) Just because someone tells you this is what you're supposed to enjoy doesn't mean you're going to enjoy it. So I think as women, I think we're really sensitive to this. At least I am because this is the thing that's been forced down my throat in various ways my whole entire life. Like I would not say that my folks were non-progressive in this way. They wanted me to get an education and all that kind of stuff. But there is a lot of societal pressure to it's, it's cute if you want to get your degree in something, but really the point is you need to get married. You need to have children and you need to support your husband. 
Yes, especially back then. Once you got married, you no longer had your own identity. You were a wife of someone. You were a mother of someone. You were not your own person anymore. That is somewhat changed, thankfully. Um, and I appreciate the fact that the younger generations are not getting married just for the sake of it and not having kids just for the sake of it. And a lot of times it's because financially it's just not feasible right now. Right. And I understand that, but they get shit for it all the time. And it's just fucking stupid. So I heard a thing the other day that millennials and possibly Gen Z have ruined like the engagement ring business. <laughs> well done guys. Those blood diamonds not getting That's sold what I anymore. Thought. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there were a couple other ones and it was like, so we should still be killing ourselves to buy engagement rings you know, because we are not getting paid enough to do that. It was just a really interesting argument. And I was like, I love that the power of the dollar is is a a factor here, right? So the person who was doing this on TikTok was talking about, um, let's just do it on purpose instead of just happenstance that it, you know, it went down this way. Look how much power like, we have yeah. if we collectively yeah. decide <laughs> to do something. And I'm not even a millennial. Uh, I'm a horrible Gen Xer. <laughs> So, I mean, like, you're lucky I feel anything about anything. (laughs) That's right. We just sit back and watch it happen. Right. But Barbie is a rebel. She's a rebel. She's perpetually single. Mm -hmm. She drives her own car. She has her own, like, house. And she has, you know, a nice fancy pants sports car. And Ken is really just an accessory. He's just a nice piece of arm candy. (laughs) Yes. And it makes me so happy. Yes, it absolutely does mm-hmm. make me happy. Listen, I think the fact that they made sure his hair was plastic and you couldn't even brush it, it's he's disposable at that point. You can't change it. And hair. as we all know, if you take his pants off, it's just it's just mm, he's ma- yeah. near a suggestion in the wiener department. So mm-hmm. <laughs> my God. Yeah, I so as we were going through and they were showing some of these Barbies, I was trying to keep note to see, cause they have blonde and brunette. And of course now they have all different colored hair Barbies. But at first I thought they were only blonde, but the first two Barbies, there was one blonde and one brunette. They were both. So I was pretty excited. But then the first like working girl, well, that makes her sound like a sex worker. The first um, career Barbie sex work is a legitimate career guys. I'm just 100%. saying. percent. Yeah. This was, in 1963, she was brunette. And then I'm like, okay, so are all the the girls that have jobs going to be brunette and just the blondes going to be like, duh, duh, duh. but no, they did. And they mixed it up throughout. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And among my favorite things in this documentary, which we're starting to sample now, is they have massive collections of all the Barbies, I which know. they show you, and all mm-hmm. their duds, which is really fun. And then they also have a scrapbook. So they are showing you kind of, I mean, how many toys have a history and have had such influence and they're like constantly showing you all of this stuff. And it's really fun. And my um, brain was so excited. There are some problems. Um, For instance, in slumber party, Barbie set, there was a set that came with um, that doll. There was a scale with 110 pounds on it permanently as you remember if you had to put any stickers on anything you know Christmas morning or whatever 
she had a diet book and on one side it said don't eat anything or some shit like that and it's like mm, probably yeah I think on one side it said how to lose weight and on the other side it said don't eat oh guys no yes so we this is a great reflection of culture and sort of what the big elements of culture are and they just never went away on the diet scene but nonetheless uh the message there is not independence and um do your own thing it's but you gotta be tiny to do it yeah there's a a lot of that in the 80s and 70s i can't remember when it i think summer party Barbie came out in like the 60s. I think Twiggy, I guess, was 60s and 70s. Um, I don't think that diet culture ever really went away. They're just a little less in your face about it. But what we find out is that even with some of those problems, well, they weren't problems for the company. They're problematic now after the fact. That by 1968, Barbie had earned Mattel a total of $500 million making it a fortune 500 company, which it was not before it was like making a couple hundred thousand before. Right. So it's hard to say that Barbie wasn't just a monster product. Thanks to Ruth and her big brain. So throughout this, they're like sprinkling in. So history, which I love with current, which is 2015 at the time. And we have Kim who is trying to make Barbie more relevant again. How can you make Barbie more relevant? Because as we know, Barbie has become a somewhat negative connotation. It has a somewhat negative connotation, right? So you're just a Barbie, Mm -hmm. which means you are just airheaded, nothing there, just a pretty face or whatever. Right. Somebody said that she's known as being vapid and materialistic. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, she's a toy. Yeah. And I I did like some of the things they talked about with. There were some practical things that I'd never thought of. So there's a big section in this that talks about a thigh gap, which if you're a child of the 80s, again, I don't know how pervasive this is now, but like at my tiniest, I never had a thigh gap. It's just not the way I'm made. So they're talking about like making Barbie with a thigh gap, but Kim kind of comes in and she says, also, she's got to be able to move. So there is a practical piece to some of this. And I was really glad that that was brought forth because I'm like, oh yeah, she is kind of a toy still. So it's an interesting place where this group of mostly women finds themselves with making this a toy that you can actually do something with and making it uh, palatable and relevant for, you know, women of the world today, girls of the world today, little boys want to play with Barbies. Absolutely. Take it on. Yeah. I think what was really interesting to me. So you have a couple different groups here. You have the group that's like, yes, this is everything we need to do this. We need to have more body types. Cause well, let's talk about when they first did. So they had like, okay, more colors. So you have dark brown skin, Barbie, you have medium brown skin, you have light skinned, you have different colored hair in that. But even initially it was just the white face made black. You didn't change any of the features, which is they eventually I think started doing. So you don't just look like a very tan Barbie. (laughs) So, right. So you have 
people who are like, yes, we need to definitely jump in here. And then you have Michelle Chidoni. I might be slaughtering that name. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Michelle. She is Barbie public relations. And I have to say that throughout some of this, I was like, listen, Debbie Downer, you need to calm down. But she's, she's really smart and she's got some really good points. She's concerned about bringing out different size Barbies. What are her concerns? Um, That it's too little, too late, that it's just going to backfire in their face in ways they can't anticipate, in ways they can't anticipate. And they've gotten a lot of shit in the past for being behind, for not doing enough. And so I think she's very cautious that whatever they do, they're A, going to have to be very, very careful about it. Um, but she doesn't want to damage the brand anymore. And you can tell that these women, again, mostly women, this team really cares about what they're doing. And I, I so admire that because it would be a tough position to be in with an unpopular brand, but they're like, wait, 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 there are some good things here. Let's try to get this back in line. But there are some very interesting conversations between Kim, who is again, the lead designer and Michelle, who's trying to make sure their image comes off in a way that's favorable. And it's not necessarily just about money. I did like that as well. Like they actually give a shit about this. Right. Right. yeah, she she actually was really like I said, she came off initially like really poo-pooing the situation. And then once you listen to her and realize why and some of her concerns and comments, I think she she really turned that around for me. But yeah, she's like, what if she's not too, what if she's too big? What if she's not big enough? What if uh, what do we call her? Do we call her plus size? Do we call her curvy? Because if if you don't get in front of that narrative, they'll just call her fat Barbie because that will stick. And Mm -hmm. yeah, there were a lot of really good conversations about that. And I think it was good for them to have those conversations up front when they decided that, yes, they could move forward and do this. And, you know, the timeline, they had a pretty tight timeline to get it done as well. Yeah. And even that was up for discussion. Like, when do we do this? So that was something interesting too. I don't know. I guess you just don't see a lot of unscripted boardroom conversation. And I'm hoping this is unscripted. (laughs) It's possible it's done for the documentary, but um, there was respectful discourse and divergent opinions done in a way that everybody was still being heard. And, you know, there was a lot of discussion and it was appreciated And I can tell you, I don't always feel like that's the case in a lot of uh, meetings that I've been around in my long ass career at this point. Yeah, I've never been told to get someone coffee in the middle of a conversation, but borderline, borderline. Like if you could just go get me coffee, sweetie, that'd be great. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. Close though. You're Mm -hmm. right. It was extremely... Um, refreshing to see mm-hmm. these interactions with these women and one rogue dude get in there, brother. <laughs> right. And I, yeah, I loved everything about watching this move forward. So, so they end up calling this redesign of Barbie's body. That's what this whole thing is centering on. There's a lot of anticipation buildup, if you will, tension, uh, will we, won't we, but then they do decide or they get clearance, probably both 
that they're going to do um, a redesign of Barbie's body and they're calling it Project Dawn. And so gathering info on what Barbie could be, and there's a ton of different options. Again, thigh gap is one. And they're just trying to cover all their bases in a way that's positive. Right. So they end up with a kind of four new body types, although they run the gamut of skin color, hair color, and texture and all that. They have a curvy one. They have one that's taller. They have one that's more athletic. And they have one that's petite. Which is nice because Barbie's fairly tall to begin with. So make her taller, absolutely. Make her shorter, absolutely. Because how many short girls out there are like, well, I'll never look like that. I mean, listen, I'm probably the same height as Barbie-ish and I'll never look like that. But still, it's just one more thing to say, oh, well, that looks kind of like me. Right. Again, I think on this show, we have talked a lot about it matters when you see yourself represented and reflected back to you. And a lot of the commentary was Barbie is not representative of most women, average women, um, everybody. So you feel bad (laughs) if you don't live up to these incredible standards, these unattainable standards, basically. Again, she's a doll, but she looks you know, she's been a fashion icon for years, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So there is um, awareness to Barbie and her influence, especially on young, young kids, young girls. So I like that they're trying. Um, I really liked too, that they were talking about some, again, practical shit about, well, if we change the size of her feet, then the old accessories won't work like you can't like share accessories with your girlfriends or whatever but also I think that that would come off as a shitty thing to make you buy more stuff you know so they had to be really careful with some of those accessory changes in time right I love that they talked about that because I I didn't even think about that they're like listen the cars the bathtubs the houses the clothes everything is made to fit one body, right? And now you're changing it. You would have to change everything to go along with it. And I was like, oh shit, yo. Yeah. Didn't think of that. Yeah. And I don't think anybody else did either. So that was, yeah, very, very interesting. That's why those ladies make the big bucks. I hope so. Michelle talks about as the Barbie PR manager, she has a daily dose of crisis management. And that was tough because I can imagine that's really stressful. And she was saying, especially they need to appeal to Gen Z moms. And I was like, are Gen Z moms? Yeah, young (laughs) mothers, I'm guessing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was kind of a, they're the ones who really have to get it. Um, That's, they really have to be careful to appeal to those, to those people. Mm -hmm. One of the things they're trying to get past is the fact that Barbie is only known for her looks, right? And they want her to be, to be representative of everybody, but for so long women and our worth Mm -hmm. has solely been associated with how we look and how we make men feel. And it's, I mean, that's forever, sadly, they have one example of during feminist movements 
in the 70s where they're like burning bras and shit, which I don't do that, ladies. They cost too much. But they talked about this group of protesters and the FBI got involved because, you know, their political affiliations or whatever. But the FBI also stated that they're watching them because they're unattractive and have frizzy hair. Uh, watch out, those ugly women might get to your wives and they won't wear the lipstick either. What? I know. Well, I mean, now we also understand that gay is contagious and trans is contagious. So oh, yeah. feminism mm-hmm. also must be contagious. Absolutely. So you got to watch out. You can't plant the seeds of independent thought. Um, <laughs> One rogue so frizzy hair we could contaminate a whole batch of ladies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you could just get an extra cream for that, that'd be great. I do really like that they, so they kind of move by decade through this, right? And we get to the eighties and I'm in love with all of this because they talk about the movie baby boom, which I forgot how much I like that movie. You have some different focus on women. Think like Sally ride. Think Sandra Day O'Connor. There's a lot of breaking of barriers. And so Barbie is reflective of some of that. So she's a career woman. She's got giant shoulder pads and blah, blah, blah. So that was really funny for me to see. There are some hilarious commercials that they include in here. There's a day tonight, Barbie, which, oh, I mean, just it's so good. It's so good and terrible. Like, how did this make it past marketing? Right. But speak about that. They marketed that a lot to us as kids in the 80s and 90s. Like, you can wear this from work to evening wear. Like, that was going to be a real constant thing of going from one location right to the next out party. And you need that cocktail dress. You just need more sensible shoes during the day or something. I don't know. Yeah. That's never been an issue in my life. I can tell you that. I agree. And let me also throw in there, I thought I was going to be offered cocaine a lot more than I have been I know so I thought it was just gonna yeah I mean like <laughs> the after school specials and dare taught me nothing relevant and useful no so one of my <laughs> my favorites about the 80s Barbies they had great shape Barbie and I, all I could think of was Olivia Newton-John and like the physical <laughs> that's exactly what she looked like hilarious oh, those leg warmers so good so one thing they also talked about in the 80s is, so we we meet and talk about Jill Barrett, who was a former, the former CEO of Mattel. And she was stunningly beautiful. And she looked like a Barbie herself, not blonde, but dark hair and just real beautiful, real feminine, even as a CEO. She's like, fuck you. I don't have to look like a man to run this company. <laughs> and I love that. Right. But she talks about how you're supposed to look like a man and- it made me think, is that what shoulder pads were really for? So we would look broader, so we would take up more space like a man? Because I've never understood shoulder pads ever. I had the same thought, and I had the same revelation, I guess, in my head to be like, I mean, I guess. I need to know who designed shoulder pads. Please tell me their function. I have to know. So, yeah, Jill Brad was like, I'm going to do my own thing. And let's talk about the fact that under her tenure, the annual sales of the doll rose from 200 million to 1.9 billion. Yes, girl. Yes, it did. Yeah, she did a great job. 
I think it's interesting that as we move into the 90s, they specifically talk about a book called Backlash, The Undeclared War on America Women by a lady named Susan Flutie. Thank you. I was like, my writing here was terrible. She's a feminist. So she's saying basically the message that women are now getting is that all of your problems have to do with women's lib. (laughs) And if that hadn't been a thing, you would have been fine because you didn't know any better. Like, what is the takeaway from that? So she seems pretty awesome. And I'm kind of interested in reading that book. Mm -hmm. I thought it was funny. Like, they they were like, yep, the acne. If you just hadn't been liberated, you wouldn't have acne. And I'm like, what? Right. Because they're talking about different ads, like some there was some cold cream there was something but it's basically like look you've taken on the world and now you have bad skin that's your fault use our cream i don't know <laughs> <laughs> like nothing like shaming me into buying your bullshit here yeah uh, i'm you know it's worked i'll say i'm sure it's worked yeah they also discuss kind of the ramifications of the anita hill versus clarence thomas debacle to which Clarence Thomas, the bastion of the Supreme Court. I'm just laughing because, of course, now he's just been shown to have been on the take or whatnot for a hundred years. Well, and I recommend that everyone go listen to that episode of You're Wrong About because it's so interesting how it was portrayed to us versus what really happened. Yeah. I mean, they made it out like she was just out to get him when in reality she wouldn't know part of it. And they came to her and forced her to go to trial, trial, talk to, I don't know what it's, it's, you know, it's essentially his job interview. She's a reference. Yeah. In front of Congress and like talking about all that really personal stuff, I think would be really hard. And I commend any woman that comes forward, but these are the things I think that make you not want to come forward because you don't want to put yourself in the hot seat because of the way we've seen women treated when they do speak up. That's not by accident, everyone. Right. One of the other things they talk about is the teen talk Barbie. <laughs> what, is, what does teen talk Barbie say? Well, her big famous line was, math is hard. And that was the end of the world. I mean, everybody just lit on fire as soon as they heard that. Well, what is so funny is I didn't know anything about this Barbie at the time. (laughs) When I first got into industry as a chemist, I had a sweatshirt that had um, Viagra or Cialis or whatever, the molecule on front. And on the back, it said chemistry is hard. It was a joke, right? Because Viagra is boner medicine. Chemistry made it. Chemistry is hard. This old woman walks up to me and just sees the chemistry is hard at the back. And she comes up, she goes, I really don't think that's the message you want to portray to people. And she starts lecturing me. I'm like, oh, 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 ma'am, it's just a joke. It's just a joke because of the molecule. And so she's like, oh, she goes, well, there was a Barbie a while back. And she started telling me about it. I'm like, oh, okay. So that's the first time I heard of that Barbie. And I felt bad that she felt the need to come and tell me that my shirt was not perpetuating the right message. <laughs> But I think what a great, number one, I love the fact that she actually spoke to you about it. Yeah. Oh, she was very polite about it. Yeah. Right. What a dichotomy between different generations of women. Like she's like, girl, 
do you yeah. know what this is saying to the world? And you're right. like, wait, but I, I do. I, I do know what it's saying to the world. Yeah. So I love your intellectual humor. <laughs> but yeah, you have to, you have to be on the, uh, you have to have some smarts to understand what that message right. is. Right. 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 It was, I mean, I still have it, but I don't wear it anymore. But yeah, I was like, thanks lady. I think we're okay, but I appreciate your sentiment. Yeah. Right. Right. Can we talk a little bit about Gloria Steinem? She's featured in this a little bit. Yeah. I think I need to know more about her because she comes off in this show like she's just a wet blanket. <laughs> like she is just unpleasant. And I'm not saying you have to be pleasant. That's not what this is. But maybe I don't understand who she is and what her point is. She has always been a very staunch feminist. And on some hand, she's opened a lot, a lot of doors for women. And I appreciate that. Sure. On the on the mm-hmm. other hand, and, and maybe I'm reading it wrong, but she also seems to be one of those women that is like, you shouldn't want to be a stay-at-home mom. Like, the whole point of feminism, in my opinion, is you can be whatever the fuck you want to be. If you want to be a stay-at-home mom, then be a stay-at-home mom. If you want to go out in the workforce and work, do that. That's your choice as a woman. Whereas she seemed to be more like, you shouldn't want to do that. It's the patriarchy who told you you want to do that. Just wake up. And I don't really like that message either. I think it's a little too far. Right. I mean, she does say some things in here like, we we are not to a point where women are not based uh, or judged or valued based upon their looks, which is true. But again, she just she just seems very unyielding anywhere. Right. If you I feel like as you grow as a person, you get new information in life, your ideas and opinions should change accordingly. It is not easy to change your opinion, but it's something we should all work to do. Again, with new information, because we are supposed to grow and evolve and not just be stagnant. Ugh. Right. So she's a difficult character, at least the way she's portrayed in this. So, but I agree with you. I mean, she's like a feminist icon. So I'm very much like, I don't know how to feel about her in this. So, right. I think I would need to learn more about her outside of the snippets that I've seen to really make a good judgment call. (laughs) Yes. I do really like that Michelle talks a little bit about... Again, she's saying, you know, women are still judged on their appearance, which is a bummer. Um, And she also poses the question, why is Barbie supposed to get it right when basically no one else does? And I thought that was a a great point. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're putting a lot onto a tiny doll, right? Yeah. Um, I did think it's funny that she said maybe PR for the NFL would be easier. And I'm like, well, I mean... You're just explaining how people can rape other, you know, rape their wife or girlfriend or whatever and still be okay in the NFL. So, you know, (laughs) cool stuff. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, she's like, that would be easier than than trying to get this Barbie shit right. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. She, she must have nerves of stone, man. My anxiety every day would just be through the roof. Yeah. And it's not like she's not had missteps before. 
she talks about uh, specifically there was a cover, uh, a Sports Illustrated cover that bombed because Barbie was on the front and there was like a hashtag that said unapologetic. So the Sports Illustrated cover is hard to wrap your mind around. It is a problem, but it was also very popular. So mm. um, there have been some things that have happened that have stood out to me. Like one time there was a, I would not even call her a plus size model, but I'm sure in the modeling world, she was a plus size model, but she looked like a normal human being. She was lovely. And that was a huge fucking deal because she wasn't a twig. So that's like, there's a lot of weird judgment in the Sports Illustrated thing. So Barbie was on the cover with the unapologetic hashtag and it, it just exploded in the worst way. Yes. And if you think of that and they're saying we're unapologetic in how we look and what we are, and now they're coming out to say, wait a minute, we're going to change things. So that's another one of her concerns. Like this, what we've said for the last 50 years is we're, this is just a doll. This is who we are. Just calm down. Right. And now they're saying, well, maybe we'll change. And so she's worried it's going to bite them in the ass for that reason as well. It's so interesting to think that how long is a toy supposed to be popular? I don't know. I mean, the only other toys that have been around for probably this long are GI Joes in some iteration. They've changed a lot over the time. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. And toy cars just in general. So, yeah. I mean, like, are, are we going to talk about her? Like we're talking about a stick and a hoop back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to me to be like, you know, she's got to be at the forefront of everything. Again, it's a business. I understand that. But like, for fuck's yeah. sake. Right. And it's just like listening to Gloria Steinem talk about her. Like she's, she represents everything that women are not supposed to want to be or aren't. I don't remember what she said, but I'm like, that's, that's a bit much for a fucking doll, man. It's a doll. I, I on one hand, I get it. It's, they say that her, you know, like her proportions are not even realistic, right? She wouldn't be able to stand upright or something. Um, and you're trying to put that on us. But on the other hand, it's like, it's a doll. I guess I never took it too seriously. Yeah. So like, if you're into it, great. If you're not great, like everything else. So it's really funny to see, to see this, but I, I can also understand from a business perspective that, you know, they want to stay in the market. So, so there's a time magazine exclusive on project Dawn, and they have the reporter come in and of course do all the photos and hear all the stuff. And they're very concerned about how this will be portrayed um, because, you know, they don't have complete control over this, which is a vulnerable position to be in. So, right. They said to, yeah, to get the cover, you kind of just have to trust them. That was the trade-off. Mm -hmm. Like, we'll write what we're going to write if you want to be on the cover. And I'm like, ooh, that's a tough call. Right. So I think the plan is to have uh, the launch coincide with the magazine article. Right? So they're going to be really close um, together. And I love the fact that they have a practice war room drill or what's going to happen and how they're going to respond to things. So like everybody's sitting around with a laptop and I assume they're monitoring various sites. I'm not really sure. They don't explain hundred percent, 
but they're like, what if this headline pops up? And what if this headline pops up? And what if this happens? And, you know, if it's a sad story and we don't respond, is that worse PR than if it's a sad story and we do respond? So there's like a lot of, I don't know. I mean, it just, it just really made my head hurt to think about how to deal with this. Oh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. I think it's good that they do uh, almost practice runs like this and drill for worst case scenarios because Mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to happen. Let's also keep in mind that launch day for them is January 28th, 2016. This is right at the heart of primaries for when Hillary Clinton (laughs) and Trump were running for their respective parties for primary. So there's a lot going on in the news cycle, which is, probably somewhat beneficial to the extent that they won't be the only thing that's there, but also it might get swept under the rug and no one even notices. So which one do you prefer? I don't know. You know, I don't either, but like the level that they go to um, for this war room drill, cause it looks like the most stressful thing ever. Mm-hmm. And then the night before the launch, they're gathering at headquarters at like three or four in the morning. And I'm like, God damn, like that is early. But four in the morning is 7 a.m. on the East Coast. Right. So, because they're in California. So we're all there. We're all a little stressed out. They find the article on, I think they put it on their Twitter feed or something like that for the Times, the Time Magazine article. And how was it? Well, the headline is, or the byline, no, the title, that's what I'm looking for. Now Can We Stop Talking About My Body is the name of the article. And it is a positive piece. It's what they're hoping for, basically. I think that's the best way to say it. So they are all very relieved. They're all very excited. It seems to also be going well, being received well by the public. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I think it was more than 90% positive feedback. Of course, you're going to have some negative Nellies, but right, they showed videos of little girls buying the curvy dolls and being excited because it looked like them. And that mm-hmm. made me, it made me so happy. It was like, it was like watching the little brown girl see the little mermaid sing for the first time, little brown, little mermaid. And they were like, she looks like me. And I cried for every single one of those. So yeah. And The curvy Barbie has this gorgeous blue hair, like dark blue hair. She's stunning. And all of the Barbies that they've gone with are very, I would say they give the original run for our money. You know what I'm saying? Like they're a little alt, they're a little bit, you know, and I really appreciated that they did not make them cookie cutter. Is that the right way to say that? But anyway, I was like, do do I need a curvy Barbie? Maybe I do. (laughs) Maybe I do. What would I do with it? I don't mm-hmm. know. Put it on a bookshelf or something. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We'll put it in the pod loft whenever that happens. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Kim at one point says they had a good launch, but to change what it means to say that is so Barbie or she is so Barbie and have that negative connotation with it. She said, we still have a long way to go. That That's going to be a long road. And again, this was filmed in 2015, 16. And I'm like, I wonder if we've reached that now with the Barbie movie. I wonder if we've kind of reached that point. 
I would say that this might be the best thing that ever happened for the brand, and I haven't even seen it, but it has stirred the pot in a way I would think was pretty favorable for Barbie. So, you know, like I said, having not seen it, but just kind of hearing about it, I think they did a really interesting job with a, like a quiet launch. Like I had heard nothing about it until I was one time at the theater to see something else. And I saw the trailer for Barbie. Like that was interesting. Like, I mean, maybe I'm not hip and with it and I didn't see a lot of the hype that came out beforehand, but I was, you know, a naysayer. I was like, this is stupid. Barbie movie. And then now I understand what it really is. Oh yeah. I was the same way. I, Mm -hmm. I think unfortunately some of the wrong message has been put out to the extent that Mattel is like, Oh, we're going to make movies for all of our toys now. Um, When I don't think that's the message, the message should be, we should have more movies about women made by women. That's the key to this, not the Barbie part, but what do I know? I have a tiny lady brain. What a great reflection of the origins of Barbie. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Ruth Handler's like, this could be big. And guys are like, women, what do they want? Uh, Stupid. They're not, they're not buying power. Well, maybe at the time they didn't, but now they certainly do. Yeah, they so, fucking do. You want to wrap it up and talk about uh, what happened to Ruth in later years? Yeah, let's do. So she ends up taking the fall for conspiracy to commit mail fraud and lying to the SEC. And she's thrown out of her own company. And what's interesting is when she was asked if she had done anything illegal, her response was, there were illegal acts performed in our organization. My error was not ferreting them out and firing them immediately. So like a woman taking the responsibility for other people's fucking mistakes. Yeah. That's tough. So she loses her fortune. Mm-hmm. However, however, Ruth is a trooper. Mm-hmm. And she makes another fortune by selling, like designing mastectomy prosthetics and selling those. And I thought that is some woman ingenuity as well. Like, I love that for her. I hope that they were of great relief to the women who wanted to buy something. And I hope it worked out great. Yeah, I think she is an amazing woman. And I think the fact that she's like, yeah, I'll take the blame for this. Fuck you. I'm going to go over here and make my money. You no longer have my brain to help with your company. I'll make my money over here. Right. I think I'd like to know a little bit more about Ruth. They did show clips of her. I don't know if she's still living or not. I don't think they were like, they didn't seek her out from what I understood. It seemed to be like clips from different Mm -hmm. talk shows or whatever. So yeah. I will say that they do um, have Ruth, not the actual person, but in theory, Ruth Handler in the Barbie movie. So. Okay. I can't think of the actress who plays her, but yeah, it was lovely to see her there. Sweet. Mm-hmm. So shall we talk honorary Aaron this week? Yeah. Who's your honorary Aaron this week? I chose Michelle. I felt that. She is trying to manage a lot of things that are, I don't know, intangible. Like a lot of these people are producing things, but she's kind of working on things that are 
you know, um, reputation and brand imaging. And I think that that's, I, I identify with that. Right. So. Right. You get to the end of the year and you're mm-hmm. like, I don't have anything tangible to put down of what I did, but I did a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And you? I, I had a hard time. I wrote down three different people and really there could be most of the people in this documentary could be honorary errands. I wrote down Ruth because she was like, fuck you men. I'm better. And uh, she went ahead and made stuff and kept them going. And then when they knocked her down, she just got back up and did it again. And I love that for her. I also chose Jill because she was going to run things, but she was going to look cute doing it. She wasn't going to let them tell her what to do. And in the end she made them, billions of dollars in cute shoes. So well done. And I also wrote down Andy, who we don't talk about, but she, um, she looked a lot like me because she's covered in tattoos and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, I kind of like her too. So I think in the end, if I have to narrow it down, I would say probably Ruth. Ruth is my honorary Aaron. Yeah. Without her, none of it would have happened. So I'm digging on Ruth. Yeah. Okay. That was such a good documentary. It was lovely to watch, learn about her over time and, and see how they've grown. And now everyone go watch the Barbie movie. Erin, what are we going to do next week? Next week, we're going to do something called the parking lot movie, a 2010 release. Um, Erin's already actually seen it. She found this one and it's on Tubi. It looks like it's about an hour and 15 minutes long. So Do you want to give us a little synopsis of the treasure that you've brought to me? It's so funny because it's like early aughts and it's following this group of people who happen to be parking lot attendants. And so (laughs) they're taking money. They're talking about their job. They're talking about the customers, uh, people who drive off without paying and they're chasing after them. It's just somewhat ridiculous, but it is entertaining. It is entertaining. Well, I think it's good. We don't always have to go with the hard hitting issues like Barbie. (laughs) So (laughs) sometimes we just got to calm down. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So anyway, thanks everyone for joining us this week. Please follow us on X. Sorry. I'm trying to say that with a straight face. Um, So X, Instagram, Facebook, you're welcome to get a hold of us and check out some stuff on our website, godockyourself.com. And then we will catch you next week. Yep. Have a good week, guys. We'll talk to you later. Laters. Bye.